I'm Anthony Jameson with the Sand Dollar Lounge. Hi, y'all. This is John Chow um, with LV Town Fridge. Hey, this is Tony Latira, Director of Food and Beverage and Executive Chef of Local for All. And you're listening to Two Sharp Chefs. Hello, and thanks for joining us. Two Sharp Chefs and a Microphone here. I'm Lorraine Moss, chef and journalist. And I'm Louis Victor, chef and professional food photographer. We started this podcast in memory of one of the best food culture ambassadors of all time, Anthony Bourdain. In his memory, we wanted to do the right thing and build a better sense of community among cooks, chefs, restaurant workers, and food lovers here in Las Vegas and worldwide. Hey, Louis, how are ya? Hey, what's up, Lorraine? Our guests today are the men of the Ghost Unit Kitchen. Um, it's actually two guys that have two separate businesses that we'll tell you about, your Panadas and JD's Taste Kitchen, and they mashed up and came together to become Ghost Unit Kitchen, and there's a very you know, important reason of why this is happening a lot more nowadays uh, across the hospitality industry, not just here in Las Vegas, but across the country right now for many reasons. So sharing is caring, and in a pandemic, provisions today we are talking about things you share i will start uh my favorite shared item nowadays is the charcuterie board i know it's no it's very basic b but here's the thing it's not it's bougie (laughs) it can be basic b and bougie at the same time so i guess that just is the definition of me um so uh usually depends what you put on it Exactly. Like if you're putting caviar, blinis, and like, you know, uh, truffles, then different story. Um, but I'm talking about like the general American charcuterie board. Uh, nowadays, it's like three meats, three cheeses, some jams, uh, some fruit, maybe that kind of stuff. But it goes back actually to 15th century France, the word charcuterie, obviously a French word. Um, and of course, it started because of that need to preserve items for a longer period of time. Of course, this is before refrigeration. And so, um, you know, cured meats happened way before that because they were, you know, it goes back to the Roman ages when they cured meats because of the lack of refrigeration. But in France, you know, as France does, they up the ante and made it like a cool thing that people shared on a board. Um, I like it at my home because sometimes when we're lazy and honestly, as you get older, you get less hungry at night, if that makes sense. But we yeah. will think, you know, I don't want to hold dinner. I don't want like a big thing. So let's put out some meat, some cheeses, some jams, some fruit, and just, you know, have fun, you know, have a glass of wine, talk with each other, hang out. Mitch tries these different combos because it kind of gives each person, you know, a different bite every time. Um, that's fun. And quick plug for us, I will tell you some great tips that you can get if you go back to Wonder Woman of Cheese, Diana Breer. She does an awesome job um, on our YouTube channel. So go search Two Sharp Chefs and go to our YouTube channel. Please subscribe. And also go check out Diana Breer. She's amazing. She knows everything about cheese. She's actually an affineur, so she's an expert. Um, And she also recently... um, she recently bought Valley Wine and Cheese. So you can go visit her over there as well, and she'll give you tips. She's awesome at that. Um, I love charcuterie. And what do you love, Louie? Yeah. What do you love to share? Well, mine's a little bit more common, but it's like the most popular shareable food in the U.S. Pizza. Mm-hmm. So yes. quick plug. So we did episodes on pizza, so I'm not going to talk about the history of pizza anymore because our... Um, 
our friend and pizza Yoda, Mr. John Rudino, already <laughs> tackled that that episode. Please sure go try to check, check that, that out. one out. One of our favorites of all time. Yeah. But so I'm going to talk about um, fun facts about pizza. Okay. Just American facts. So did you know that Americans eat approximately 100 acres of pizza every day? And that's like roughly wow. 350 slices per second. Yeah, that's slices. believable to me because pizza's a food group for me and for you, I know. So <laughs> yep. It's a thing, you know, like can't live without pizza. 36% of all pizzas are topped with pepperoni. Huh. Now that's basic B. Or yeah. basic basic P. <laughs> now, now there's like different types of pepperoni, so you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm really going through that cup and char pepperoni phase that yeah. other people are going through right now. He's got that extra like bit of oil and moisture exactly. in the middle of it, and it's kind of right? greasy on the outside. Um, little, yeah. So it's a little less basic B and more like cool nowadays to have a cup and char. Uh, speaking of cool, we have some badass MOC men of color that have mashed up a business together and started the Ghost Unit Kitchen. Louis, today we are chatting with the men behind Ghost Unit Kitchen here in Las Vegas. We have Chef John Batista with us, and we have Chef Jordan Dunwood with us. How are you, fellas? Great. How we doing? We're very good. So first, we want you to explain what the hell is a Ghost Unit Kitchen? So... Because of COVID, it kind of forced us into this concept. It's not a concept that we came up with by any means. It's been around for a while, but because of COVID, it kind of forced us into it. So basically what a ghost kitchen is, is just a remote commercial kitchen, just like any other, without the dining room. So you can call in orders. You can um, order your for delivery for Postmates, Grubhub, Uber Eats, whatever. Um, but it's not a place that you can come and dine in. Um, your food is still being made with the same precautions, the same training, same skills set as you would at any other location, but it's just not a dine-in facility. And the inspiration for the name, please tell me it's like G-Unit, G-Unit, G-Unit. <laughs> All day. Is it? Is All it? day. What do you think, guys? Is this the future of small businesses doing something like this? I mean, I, I personally feel like it's not going away anytime soon. I think the two will coexist, um, but I don't think this is like a pop trend. It's going to be gone next year. It's going to be a little while. It's, they're starting to come on a lot more. Um, and actually me working with the casino still and doing this, I see both sides of it. And the, right now, this is definitely the right avenue to, to go ghost unit, to go contactless uh, delivery, to go to go paperless. That's the route to go. Because a lot of people are still cautious, a lot still worried getting out there and just not sure they want to be out there in, in the public and eating out eating out in public and, and just going through all the processes of wearing a mask out. They'd rather come get the same quality food and be able to take it home and eat it or sit at a park somewhere and eat it. Just You're still getting that chef-driven inspired food. And, uh, and it's fun for us, too, because it gives us the opportunity to switch up our menu. We can do daily specials, whatever we're feeling like doing that day. We got some stuff we want to want to play with this week we can do it and it just it just allows us to be more creative be more fun and just you know just go with the flow um quarantine covid has definitely changed a lot of things for me on my day-to-day but we're evolving with it we're we're, we're going rolling with the punches and uh it's starting starting to grow a little bit and, and get pretty good so hopefully we can keep this train rolling and um and see it grow and blossom even more 
So what I heard was that you, obviously you're from New York Mm -hmm. and that you sold everything with your wife and just decided to just like come out of here to Vegas and start a food truck. Um, What was the impetus for that? Like, who does that? First of all, like why here? And, and like, why a food truck suddenly, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, so it, it kind of all, like I said, my whole life has led to this point. Um, 10 years ago, I actually lived in Las Vegas when I was a single guy mm. for three years. Um, and I actually worked for the casino. So I saw that aspect of it. When I went back to New York, I met my wife and you know, I, I was working out there, but it, it, I felt like something was missing. I, I just, I missed the palm trees. I don't know. It's something. So, you know, at one point she looked at me and was like, you know what, let's do it. You want to go and you want to have a brick and mortar and you want to have a food truck. That's not possible in New York because it's just so expensive. Yep. And right now in the food truck green, what's going on is that there's no permits anymore. They have exhausted oh. all their permits. So what's wow. happening is now people that had it from many generations ago, they're holding on to the permits, these $200 permits, and they're selling it on the black market for like 30 oh, grand. Wow. Wow. So, it's kind of like a liquor license. Almost. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? They're holding, it's like gold right now. And then once you get your permit, the food truck on three wheels is 150 grand. So you're 200, 250,000 in without making a dollar. How can you survive on that model? It's impossible. So when we looked at things, we were like, you know what? If we sell our house, we'll have enough to live out there and start this dream. And that's exactly what we did. Interesting. And Chef Jordan, let's talk a little bit about your background. You recently worked as executive chef um, yeah. for Robert Irvine's Public House. Yeah. Um, now you have JD's Taste Kitchen. Yeah. Uh, it specializes in Southern style gourmet street food. Obviously, you know, you're, you're kind of from the South and stuff and you come from that background. But what was, why this, you know, why this specific type of cuisine for your own business? Well, it's always been my kind of my wheelhouse. Um, like I said, like my like my my family's from the down south, and it's always been uh, comfort food for me. Um, some of my first couple chefs, uh, Aaron Lawson was one of my first chefs. He was very low country bistro style food, southern style cuisine, and uh, I kind of I learned a lot from him. So I definitely picked off some of those things, and at the same time, those were all things I enjoyed cooking at home. Just mm-hmm. not to that scale, just not to that degree. He brought a lot of different ingredients for me that I didn't know could translate into what I was cooking. And I just opened my world and I was like, yes, I can definitely make a career out of this. I enjoy cooking food. Uh, people tell me that my food is good. So why not roll with that, elevate it and just try to get my food and put it in front of the right people and see if they enjoy it. And I uh, just stuck with it. It's just um, that kind of brought me out here because it got me into the casino world um, back in the Toledo I'd never stepped foot in the casino before I got hired in the casino. Wow. So I was just bouncing around from different restaurants, nothing crazy, nothing high end or high scale. And I finally looked up and got a position as a prep cook in a five-star restaurant at one of the casinos that just got built in Ohio. So, you know, I'm walking in, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm, all these guys come in with their chef coats on, they knife, and I don't even have any knives or a bag. I just, <laughs> I'm just kind of just cracking the surface. And it was just, Seeing those guys, how they really enjoyed it, their craft, and had so much fun doing it. At this point, I'm just in the corner prepping at this point. I'm not on the flame in the fire getting the orders and seeing what's going on, but just looking from afar, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get on that line. I wanted to challenge myself. and wanted to keep doing that. So I just, when when it was time to go home, I would clock out. My chef would still be upstairs. I would go back up. Chef, what you got going on? How can I, how can I help? What can I do? And he, would just, he just showed me things. So 
I definitely picked up on those things, and that's something that I take with me everywhere I go. Every staff that I've trained, everywhere I've trained, I always tell them, listen, don't wait on me. Don't wait on the next person to go tell you to learn something or tell you to check something out. If you are feel comfortable with what you're doing, look at the person next to you. See what they're doing. Learn what they're doing. If you if that bores you, go to the front. See what the front of house does. Yeah. The more well-rounded mm-hmm. you are, the more useful you are, the more that you're wanting. Yep. So it's just it's just something that you you definitely want to do and have and just just be able to go with. So having that opportunity to work with those great chefs definitely got me to where I am. And Vegas was not on my radar. Um, <laughs> before I moved out here, I was never in Vegas before, and I've actually only been on a plane maybe twice before that. Wow. So literally, um, my VP for in, in Ohio at the casino that I ran for, that we worked for, I worked my way up to line cook, finally got into the flame, worked my way up to a sous chef, and then I worked my way up to I was running the buffet. And, and I actually became the room chef of that restaurant. I started as a prep cook in. But I kind of yeah. opened up my, my view was like, I can do this. I mean, I have skill. I'm, I, I'm, I'm right here with these guys that have been to school for years and doing it. And it was just a great opportunity. So my VP moved to Vegas and it just me and my girlfriend right now. He was like, hey, man, how, how do you feel about Vegas? I mean, it was never even my radar. I was like, why not? So came out to Vegas and I, and I loved it. Um, I got the opportunity to work with Robert Irvine and he definitely taught me a few things. And um, it, it's a uh, 180 out here compared to Ohio, for sure. It's a lot faster paced, but it's, it's a nice grind. I love it. I enjoy it. And I don't I don't see myself going anywhere anytime soon. And quarantine hit and everything went cold and actually that's how I met Chef John and we've been we've been hitting and running ever since so definitely want to just keep the grind going. Those are some really great tips that Chef Jordan had right there for um, those of you in our culinary school audience we have quite a few culinary school students and uh, professors and stuff that talk to us about listening to our podcasts Um, and the people that are young you know the young prep kids and the young line cooks like remember that most chefs, unless they're a total full asshole, will totally help you out, especially if they're not busy. Like, obviously, don't do it like while everybody's freaking in the weeds. But I mean, like that time that you're talking about, Chef Jordan, you know, like at night when like people are just like finishing up their stuff. So, like, if you show that you want yes. to learn absolutely. and you want to, when you want absolutely. to grow, no one's going to say, oh, no, I don't have time for you. Now, right. I love the people. They come to me as like, chefs. How do I do this? How do I do this? Mm-hmm. I get excited. I enjoy that. That gives me the opportunity to show them something. They're happy about it. They want to learn it. Yes. They can take it home. And everyone should know how to cook. It's, just, it's therapeutic, I, I feel like. It's, yes. It's, it's, oh, yeah. It makes, day go, it makes the day easier. And um, just you can have a long day and somebody can be having a terrible day. And yeah. you put some good food in front of them. All that goes out the window. Changes everything right away. I've never worked in a setting before where it was several different people um, cooking, you know, different kinds of foods. These commercials. How do you do it? Are super interesting to me. You know, like Jolene starting her her Vegas test test kitchen, where those chefs will also have the opportunity to kind of just like, hey, you're making a pie. Hey, you're making bagels. Like it's you know yeah. stuff that you don't necessarily do. Like yeah, we've done it before, maybe once or twice, but you know we're not spending every single day doing every single kind of cuisine. You know, a lot of the time you're a robot and you're doing your thing like whatever you got going on mm-hmm. and so how is that for you guys it's kind of inspiring because we got our own thing going but then we see what another chef is doing and and mm-hmm. one of the cool things about the kitchen that we're in resorts world is in there so what they're doing is um chefs that are lobbying for a position instead of bringing a oh. resume to the table they're actually have a whole week to prepare a whole tasting menu and then mm-hmm. they present it at mm-hmm. the end of the week so we get a different flavor of 
of chef in there every single week. So oh, I love that. Not, not only are feeding cool. off of each other, but it, it also inspires me to make a new flavor. I mean, the, the, mm-hmm. I just came out with a hot Cheeto um, mac and cheese empanada and a chocolate barbecue empanada. And that was all from other chefs. I mean, the chocolate barbecue came from Chef Jordan when he was working on some things and he came up with that. I'm like, yeah, well, that's just like mole. And I'm like, well, we could do yes. this over here. And, and we just, that's how I, I love to be in that environment. And one thing that, is really cool about us, you know, us East Coast boys is, you know, we get in where we fit in. So yeah. sometimes we're working on this table and then, you know, that's full today. And then th- there's 15 people on this line and we just get in where we fit in and we just continue doing what we're doing. There's no excuses. There's no complaining. You just got a job to do and you get it done. That's it. Yeah. So and that's that means- for creative purposes. Yes. What about for like roommate purposes? Is it like, you know, like you occupy this side of the kitchen and, you know, is there like anything, do you guys, you guys butt heads sometimes. I mean, on the flip uh, side. in every kitchen, you're going to butt heads. But I feel like <laughs> chef-wise, when you butt heads, there's really, like, me and John can cuss each other out in the next minute and be talking about sports. Like, it, it's, yeah. not, it's not a hold a grudge. Now I'm, now I'm in a in a pouty mood, and we're not going to talk the rest of the shift or not rest of the day. Like, granted, you're going to, especially, it's, it's a very stressful career. It's a stressful workforce like so you're going to have those days when it's got a lot going on and somebody might say something or might use your I use your saran wrap but it's all it's all part of the job well I use your saran wrap and and, and, and I mean like I wouldn't mind if someone uses my glove so I I hope if I need to wear a glove I can run over and grab some gloves and it won't be a problem so I feel like everyone in the kitchen kind of knows that there's going to be situations where oh I I need an ounce of something that I don't have yeah they have it. I'm sure they wouldn't mind if I use that ounce of something and if I return it or not, but you should, you should be able to to do that with each other and, and you'll build that relationship. It's kind of like, you don't have to say it. They already know it. Like just yeah. do your thing, use your stuff. If you got to use it, just return it if you use a lot. So it, 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 it's a challenge at some points, but I mean, I've been doing it for a long time and working in a lot of different kitchens. So I can, I can very, I can adjust to a lot of situations. So, yeah. So it's an unspoken rule of the ghost unit kitchen. And you know, one of the cool things is that what we've experienced for the most part is other chefs like, Hey chef, what do you need? You know, we had a tasting the other night Mm -hmm. for a couple of foodies and I've had three or four chefs walk up to us and go, Hey, you need anything? You need glassware? You need this? You need that? Like, cause they know, what it entails to put together a tasting. They know what it entails to put together a dish. Yeah. So right. when you're working with people that work in your field and have and held your position, it's easier to talk and relate to somebody like that that's other than, you know, a suit and tie that's never been in the kitchen. It was like, well, let's in, let's in put these uh, rules in here. Like they, they know what's going on. Right. Yeah. And it's really cool to, to be in that environment. Spot on. Um, while we're on collaboration, let's go ahead and move on to Chefs for Vegas. Um, we all have one man in common here, Chef Justin Franco. He actually is my first mentor. So I don't know if you guys know that, but like he was the one that got me my first job at Gallagher's back when, uh, yeah, back when, uh, they wouldn't give me a job. So many chefs. And one actually said to me, I will never hire a weather girl because before that I was a news anchor. So and I had never even had done the weather, but he was just being a dick because <laughs> um, so, so actually after that, it was like the impetus because when Justin had heard that, he was like, fuck that dude, I'm going to put you in the prep kitchen. Like, yep. I'm going to give you a chance. That's just right. not cool. You know, like to yep. say that. Um, so anyways, <laughs> having said that, uh, how did this kind of come about and you know, why, why did you feel like you needed to do it? So 
when the pandemic hit, um, we didn't know each other. Um, so I was, I was running my food truck. Um, and then the first week we lost 10 grand worth of guaranteed sales working with high profile clients. We were super bummed. Um, and it trickled down from there. That was just the start of it. It would trickle down from there. A couple weeks into it, we get a, a Facebook post from Justin, who I didn't know at the time, saying that, hey, I have this uh, company who wants to get rid of some of their product because normally the casinos buy it, but they're not buying it and it's going to spoil sitting on these racks. So what can we do with it? Can anybody use this product in their restaurant? I looked at it and firstly said, well, maybe I could use the products. Maybe it could counteract kind of what, what I normally buy. Maybe it could help me out in my food truck. Um, but the quantity that he got me with was, oh no, if you want pasta sauce, they want like a hundred cases of it and pallets of this. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no, (laughs) I I can't facilitate that. So I said, you know what, forget about me. Who can we donate it to? And Justin was like, say no more. Um, I'm going to meet you at your food truck event this Saturday and I'm going to bring some chefs. And he brought a table and a clipboard and a pen and five chefs. And we, created Chefs for Vegas right then and there, which is really, really cool. Ooh. I never met any of them before. We had our first distribution um, the following week. We fed 367 families with different products from different um, food vendors, uh, um, establishments that, that just had food that was just sitting there. Um, we got it together and we made, created boxes six o'clock in the morning. We're renting out space to make these boxes and give it out. Um, it was a really cool idea. And then we said, well, we did it once. Why can't we do it again? And we did four straight weeks of that. The second round of distributions came from the department of agriculture. They got with, um, get fresh here in town. Um, mm-hmm. and they paid them to do produce boxes. So just fresh uh, produce, uh, to give to people, but they didn't have a means to get it out. They created the boxes, but they didn't. So they work with Three Square. They work with us. Um, they work with other nonprofits. So that wave was giving out products there. Um, the third round, we worked with Vesta um, Food Service, which is out in California. Um, and they had combo boxes. So it was fresh produce, proteins, and dairy in the same box. Super cool. Um, and this time around, we got pallets of food instead of just cases of food. Um, so up to date, um, don't quote me exactly, but we're at 36,000 families fed since April 22nd. Um, during that time, we, 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 you know, we filed the paperwork and we did, um, our 501C. So now we're officially a 501C here in town. And the, the thing that hits home for me is that I'm meeting people, you know, in my industry, which is really cool, but what has been affected most by COVID besides financially is food. Mm-hmm. And people have so many food insecurities now. It's crazy. I mean, people in my neighborhood who teach my kids in their school would not knock on my door and say, hey, I need a box of produce. They're too ashamed to do that. So they go through back channels. But at the end of the day, if I know they got the food, my heart is is filled and I'm happy. And through that is where I met Justin, where I met Chef Jordan and, you know, collaboration. So when people say COVID and this year was so bad, I mean, yeah, there was horrible things that happened this year but I think a lot of good and came out of it and we're going to be set up great for next year. You know, James Beard Foundation has an amazing phrase that they use um, privately and they say, chefs get shit done. 
Mm-hmm. That's their motto at James Beard Foundation. Yep. And, you know, it goes along with what you guys are talking about. But this is like literally what we do all day long. All day. Like, it's just putting out fires. I was just talking yeah. to my husband about that today. It's like, it's not so much about having the skill just to do and like cook and bake and all the stuff that we do. It's the skill to figure out what to do when shit goes wrong. Yep. <laughs> right? Yep. Like, that's really the difference. And that's um, the difference between a cook and a chef. All right. Let's move on to show and tell. Yeah. So I'm not sure what you guys have. We'd like to be surprised. So um, let's start with Chef John. What do you have for the class today? So I have a picture of my grandfather. Oh, Woo! I just got chills because I'm a good girl. <laughs> and that means a lot to me because, like I said, he... he didn't even finish the third grade because he had to help his family in the fields working hard and everything. So he never really fully learned English. He grew up in Panama um, and he was self-taught and he self-taught his his self into being a boating engineer. And, you know, that means a lot. It's my son in the background. Um, (laughs) Three generations. Um, It it means a lot because he didn't finish third grade and he taught himself how to be a boating engineer and his team is the one that created the three gates, the three channels in the Panama Canal that go from, you know, one one side of the world to the other. Because of his interactions with different sailors, he learned how to cook. So when my grandmother passed away, he's the one that taught me how to cook food, but it wasn't just Hispanic food. It was like German dishes and like Portuguese dishes. And I'm like, wow, that that's amazing. Like, how did you learn how to cook this? He's like, I learned because you learn not to be stagnant in what you're doing. You always look over. It means a lot that that work ethic, that those values were instilled to me because of him. So that that means everything. I carry this picture around with the food truck with me and everything. You learned the OG hustle. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. How about you, Chef Jordan? What you got there, Chef? Um, The story behind it is that, so kind of rewind back to my first topic of getting an opportunity to work in that five-star restaurant, four-star restaurant, being a prep cook, seeing those guys online doing their thing. Um, later on down the road, they start having um, like night fight competitions, competitions, which will be it's a TV show that used to come on called Night Fight, where chefs around the city would just come into a somebody's <laughs> restaurant and just throw down. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was going up against some cooks that been they went to culinary school, they they trained for it, they were having fun, but at the same time, they knew a lot more than I did at that point. Um, but I went in there. They gave us the ingredients. Uh, the ingredients were we had. Uh, Whiskey, uh, Romanesco, chicken breast, and sweet potato. Okay. Okay. Yes, <laughs> it, it, it was. It caught me off guard. So the first three, the whiskey didn't come in play until 20 minutes after we started cooking. So they threw threw a curveball at us midway. So we're making the dishes. I, I made my chicken breast. I made the sweet potato into a puree. I fried the Brussels sprouts. I made my stuff look good. And the other chefs were scrambling around. Like, I don't think I had as much pressure because I wasn't, I was taking it serious, but I wasn't, I knew yeah. I didn't know as much as them. So I wasn't as 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 nervous as them. Yeah. So it was going stuff, we're putting stuff together. And as I'm working next to these guys, I'm like, I'm looking at their food. I'm looking at my food. I'm like, I can, I can hang with these guys. I, I can do the same thing they're doing. I, I, I'm in here cooking with the flames getting burned. And uh, we went and put our food up, got judged. And, Came down, I won, and I, I got the knife for the award, and that right there just oh, man. makes me realize, like, listen, I can, I know I can do this, I know I can do the same thing these guys are doing, and that just really just lit the fire even more, because at that yeah. point, I knew that's what I wanted to do. 
But that kind of just, just just took me up a little bit, picked me up a little bit, and made me more confident in myself. Two Sharp Chefs, on the fly, 60 seconds, rapid fire questions. I'm gonna start with Chef John. Food, guilty pleasure. Cheesecake. If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Flying. Your food truck soundtrack. DMX. <laughs> Best holiday side dish. Pasteles. Ooh. Comfort food craving. Peach fried chicken. <laughs> yeah, you did. Ready for this? Best thing about Queens besides coming to America. Ethnicity. Yeah? Like just the so, amount of diversity? So it, it's so much people out there from different parts of the world, and you get different cuisines. You get night markets are ridiculous. You can get food everywhere all yeah. day. Yeah. Okay. Seems amazing. Louie, get All ready right. for Chef Jordan. Jordan, are you ready? Comfort food craving. Greasy. Okay. The best thing about chef life? The hustle, the grind. The worst thing about chef life? The hours. Yeah. <laughs> what did you want to be when you were in kindergarten? I was kindergarten, a football player. Your favorite swear word? Five fuck. <laughs> One black mailable fact about yourself. I'm a very good bowler. I bowled four years in high school. Yeah. And um, yeah, you, you wouldn't see. I'm, I'm the one that's gonna walk in with my my bowling bag, my shoes. I got my glove, and a lot of people don't know that about me. Okay, <laughs> that's a good one because I yeah. definitely don't imagine you when I think of like <laughs> yeah. some random I, I, like Kingpin character or something. I don't think you're a bowler. I'm going to have you guys go ahead and sell it for your G-Unit kitchen. What do you want people to know? How do they reach you? How do they do this? We have four different concepts. We have an empanada concept. We have a southern fried chicken concept. We have a wings and soup concept. And we have a meal prep concept. Um, so, you know, we can get different kind of chef-driven food out of a, a kitchen right to your doorstep through um, Uber Eats, uh, Postmates, Grubhub, we're on all those things. Facebook, social media, Instagram, we're on all of that. If someone wants to call me like, hey, this is what I'm looking for, nine times out of ten, I can make that for you. Give me yep, absolutely. Uh, that's really fun for us because we have these set menus, but we can go outside the box and do things. Chef Jordan does um, brunches, so he puts out a special menu for brunch. Probably once a month we're doing it now. Um, we're also going to do sample boxes where pay as you can. We actually opened up the concept with that. So the first, very first day we had a sample box of everything that we want to do, and it was pay what you can. So it was a $20 box, but people paid $50 for it and paid it forward or paid nothing and got a free box of food. So yeah. we still try to help the community out and, and still practice our craft uh, but yeah absolutely we could do any and everything in the kitchen yep. that's awesome las vegas hear that yeah. give them a call all Let's right do it, baby. ghost unit kitchen two happy hustling men of color working in las vegas thank you so much you're awesome we appreciate you guys i love you guys thank you guys for having us i appreciate it, it awesome. thanks for listening to two sharp chefs in a microphone 
We love subscribers almost as much as we love food. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review. And check out Two Sharp Chefs. That's with a number two on Instagram and Facebook, as well as our WordPress blog. Email us with any questions and ideas at twosharpchefs at gmail.com. And Louie, we stream new episodes every Monday on iTunes, Spotify, Radio Public, and Stitcher. It's been a pleasure. We're 86th. Till next week. <laughs>